The Forum at 8 with Kolani Gwala. Nine and a half minutes after eight. Welcome to the Forum at 8 here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, this morning we are talking about rampant violence at our schools. We'll be taking your thoughts on this very important matter. We'll do so at gwalaxsabc.co.za. That's my email address here on the program, gwalaxsabc.co.za. But also we'll take text messages at 34701-34701. A little later on, uh, we'll be taking your calls on 891 what needs to be done then in order to deal with this shocking, rampant situation of violence at our schools? Now, a survey has found that most violence in schools happens in classrooms. The study by the Center for Justice and Crime Prevention says this implies that there are high levels of absenteeism among teachers, uh, also a lack of supervision of learners, which are of great concern. The study was conducted last year and involved over 5,000 learners from 121 schools in a minute. I'll introduce you to all my guests on the program who will give us more details about this and also uh, have some ideas that are out there about how to deal and uh, prevent this violence. But first, uh, this report from Lerato Makate. While one would expect that learners would succumb to violence in areas that are generally not supervised, such as toilets or open areas at school, the study found that classrooms are the most common site for violence to occur. More than half of assault victims, sexual assault victims, and three out of every five robbery victims had reported classrooms as the site where this act of violence had occurred at school, while two out of every five threat victims had been threatened with violence within the schooling environment. Research Director at the Center for Justice and Crime Prevention, Lazan Liuskut, explaining the results of the latest study on violence in schools conducted last year. The first study was conducted in 2008. The latest study has found that various forms of violence, namely assault, sexual assault, and robbery is experienced by learners in schools across the country. It involves over 5,000 learners from 121 schools. The survey says threats of violence also have significant effects on learners. This had occurred to 1 in 10 learners who participated in the study. Threats of violence are as important as actual incidents of violence. While they don't result in any physical harm, the psychological harm that does result from being threatened does negatively impact on learners' attachment to schooling as well as how they relate to others within the school environment. The Department of Basic Education says more parental and community support is needed to combat violence in schools. This after the study found that one in every five learners in high schools had experienced violence in schools in the past year. The study also found that incidents of sexual violence on female learners have increased in the Free State, Western Cape and Northern Cape since 2008. Shemaine Manai is from the Department of Basic Education. Education is a societal issue. Parental and community support, including prevention and early intervention, are the most reliable and cost-effective ways to support schools in delivering teaching and learning in an environment that is physically and socially safe. I think the the report itself speaks to that in terms of the kind of normalization of violence if it happens in the home and in the community. Obviously, schools are a microcosm of the communities in which they find themselves. However, CEO of Parents for Children with Special Educational Needs, Jenny Hoff, has expressed disappointment that the study only focused on mainstream high schools only. She says there are concerning levels of violence experienced by learners with special needs. I feel highly upset because our children are being abused all the time. 
and they are being excluded. So we don't have an inclusive education system in working yet. And only secondary schools were interviewed for this report. With over 4 million learners in high schools around the country, half of them had experienced some level of crime in schools. Cyberbullying has also been cited as a cause for concern. With recommendations made by the study, the Department of Basic Education is working with various stakeholders to combat violence in schools. Lerato Magate, SABC News, Johannesburg. Right then, to talk to us about this concerning situation, let's welcome from our Pretoria studios, Patrick Button. Uh, he's the Executive Director of the Center for the Justice and Crime Prevention. Mr. Button, good morning. Good morning, and thanks for having us on the show. Thanks indeed, my pleasure. Uh, Tim Gosenzovo is Communications Manager at the South African Council of Educators. Mr. Gosenzovo, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, also in our Pretoria studios. But also in our Pretoria studios, we have Jenny Hoff, uh, Chief Executive Officer of Parents for Children with Special Educational Needs. Uh, Ms. Hoff, thank you again for coming through. Good morning. Much appreciated. Much, I really, really appreciate your, your time. Let me start with Mr. Button here. Uh, because the, the findings of your survey, yet another, um, I suppose, uh, evidence, if we ever needed any, to show that violence in schools in this country is escalating uh, at an alarming rate and that something needs to be done immediately. Absolutely. And I think the important point to make is that violence, well, rather than, than escalating, it's at a high level. That's it. You know, we, part of the purpose of the study was to compare the rates from 2008 to see whether or not there had been any change. And what we've seen is that there, there actually hasn't been any, any decrease, but at the same time there actually hasn't been a significant increase. Now that obviously in itself is, con- is cause for concern because it means that we need, do need to intensify the resources that we're putting towards this problem and look at the strategies that we do use. Um, but I think we also need to be careful to say that, you know, it, 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 it isn't escalating, it's constant, but at a high rate. So All right, that's a very important high. point because you're saying uh, it stayed con- constant and, and you, you, you're saying that judging uh, the results of the 2008 survey. Absolutely. You know, the 2008 su- survey was really intended to set a baseline against which we could m- measure any change. Now, this 2012 study is the first time we've gone back and been, been able to collect data on a national Level And so what we've tried to do is to compare as much of the data as possible, whether it's where the violence is happening, what the extent of the violence is, things like corporal punishment, the relationship between what's happening in schools and what's happening in the homes. We've tried to compare compare that to the 2008 study so that we can see where the sort of nuances and the dynamics are. All right. Let's talk a little bit about those nuances, dynamics as well. Key findings for us, please. Okay. Well... For example, the fact that corporal punishment, unfortunately, we are seeing a slight increase in the levels of corporal punishment, and corporal punishment is a, is a key issue within schools, simply because we know that it, it's, it was banned in 2007, and yet it continues to be used, and it can impact on the way that learners learn to resolve violence, how they learn to respond, um, the approach that they take to di- discipline and how they understand discipline. So the fact that corporal punishment is showing a slight increase is is cause for concern. We also see that there is a very strong relationship between levels of violence and bullying. So we've scored bullying as a distinct category of violence. And what the data showed is that where young people are being bullied, it increases the risk of other forms of violence. So what we have is a sort of intensified vulnerability, uh, multiple vulnerability, where those who are most vulnerable to being bullied are also most vulnerable to being robbed, to being sexually assaulted. Um, What that does do is it provides us with with some sort of good entry point in terms of targeted interventions. Um, I think also the fact that there is a very strong relationship between what happens 
in the schools and what happens at home. We, we found that 23% of the learners we spoke to mm-hmm. um, had siblings who had been in jail. Hmm. And, and 12% had caregivers who had been in jail. Now, one of the, you know, one of the well-substantiated risk factors for violence, both in the national and international literature, is, is exposure to role models and family members who engage in criminality. So when we see that um, so many learners are surrounded by, these, by peers and by role models um, who should be setting good examples for them, but rather obviously have had some contact with the law, you know, that really raises concern for us in terms of how we go about dealing with, with the levels of violence and victimization that young people are experiencing. There's also something that I picked up in the report uh, about uh, alcohol, drugs and weapons, that apparently they were easily accessible for many learners. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think um, even weapons within schools, we had 9% of young people who said that they could easily access weapons. We had rates of up to um, 33, 40% in some cases saying that they could easily access um, alcohol, drugs of different types within schools. I think the highest was marijuana, where we had around 44% of learners say that they could access marijuana easily at school. But what about the teachers? Where, where are they in all of this? Uh, what is their role? Mm. Well, you know, I think obviously their role is to teach, but at the same time they, they have to maintain, they have to be present in the classrooms, they have to maintain control of the cl- classrooms. Um, you know, I think obviously a very topical issue right now is that of teachers' presence at schools. And for me it's not so much whether or not teachers are coming to school and arriving at school, but it's whether or not they're actually engaged in the classroom. Because often what one finds, and it came up in this study and it's come up in other studies that, that have been conducted over the last few years in schools in South Africa, is that you see teachers at schools but not necessarily in the classrooms. Um, you know, one, one point that often gets made, which certainly has some validity, is that often teachers are faced with classrooms of 45, 50 learners and it's very hard to maintain control. But if you look at the national average of ratio, the, sorry, the national ratio um, of teachers to to learners. We're looking at around 37 percent, and we certainly found those sort of ratios in in our study. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's more around the fact that they're in the classroom, that they are teaching, that they've got control of the class. Perhaps then a point to bring in Mr. Nzovu. You speak on behalf of the South African Council of Educators. Um, even before we get to where the teachers are when all of this is happening, let's talk about the slight increase of corporal punishment. Surely it should worry you. Are you aware of it? Thanks, we, are, we, we actually are very aware of the fact that we are receiving a lot of complaints relating to corporal punishment. And uh, we also are aware that our teachers are aware that uh, corporal punishment has been banished from our schools. It's a matter of serious concerns to the council that a lot more complaints and reports are filtered through to our organization in terms of teachers engaging in corporal punishment. That is a worrying factor. But if you are aware of, of this increase, what are you doing about it? What can you do about it? In fact, what are you mandated to do about it? Basically, we, one of the key things that we are looking at, we are doing currently, it's reaching out to as much of our teachers as possible trying to make them understand the, 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 the ills of applying corporal punishment on the learners. As, 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 as my other guests correctly spoke here, corporal punishment manifests itself in the fact that uh, you then are teaching our learners that to resolve problems you need to be violent, which, which is a very problematic kind of situation. But uh, we are running a lot of uh, countrywide outreach programs, trying to speak to our teachers, trying to make them aware 
that they are not allowed to engage themselves in corporal punishment. But I believe that is not enough on its own. We need to step up more programs and also the question of uh, assisting our teachers to understand what are the alternatives out there to corporal punishment. Because the number of complaints that we're getting from them is that uh, we, we have alternatives to corporal punishment, but they're not implementable. And therefore, we need a program together with all other stakeholders, the Department of Education, to say how do we make these alternatives to corporal punishment more practical, more applicable to our teachers, and therefore, we believe in developing and assisting our teachers will be able to win this battle. Also, as I understand the report, and uh, Mr. Burton, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, teachers are both victims and perpetrators of the violence that's happening at school. Absolutely. You know, we, I think it's often, unfortunately, um, the media often focuses specifically on violence that is perpetrated by teachers against le learners. And it cer certainly happens, and our research shows, the data shows that there are cases where this does happen. But we also did speak to principals and to educators as part of the study. And certainly there are cases of, of assault, of sexual assault even, that are reported, um, that are perpetrated by learners against educators. And I think it's, it's worse in specific provinces and in specific areas, and it's something that we need to, to look at very clearly as well. All right. By the way, the lines are open. People want to weigh in on this discussion. You're more than welcome to do so through a text message at 34701. Call me at 0891 uh, or send me an email at guala x at sabc.co.za. Ms. Hoff, let me bring you in here because we heard in, in the report that we played a little earlier on, you, you're complaining that perhaps not much consultation was done, particularly with parents of children with special needs, and, uh, which may imply that the violence that we're talking about this morning may very well be just the tip of the iceberg, that there could be more. Yes, there are many more um, cases of the children being abused in special school, and it's not always by the educators. It is sometimes the caregivers and the staff in the hostel and in those uh, it's, it's of great concern because we get, for example, a child raped in a hostel, uh, it gets reported to the district office and nothing happens for two to three months. And then that child is undergoing second degree trauma twice in a row because she's seen the perpetrator every time. And we have principals that also do not always cooperate. So uh, uh, does it happen often? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a shocking story that you're telling. Uh, does it happen often that people, uh, that children with special needs are raped and nothing done about it? Um, yes, it depends on who's in charge, the manager of the schools. Okay, the principal, which is considered the principal. And normally in a special needs school we have principals and staff that really care for the children mm -hmm. but occasionally and me, I won't say it's, it happens often we have two or three cases in a year where different things happen to the children but it's basically because the staff employed for example in the hostel particularly they are not screened before they are employed which comes into being um, the, um, the justice register that every person that's employed needs to be run through the justice register before they're employed. Mm. That includes principals, anyone that works with children. Pedophiles as well. This is not happening. We are being informed 
that they are working on it. It's not happening fast enough. Because we reported this about three years ago to national education that this must happen. And social development have also been trying to get across to them that the children's law must also be instilled in the teachers and the principals so they understand abuse is abuse. Mm. And the Constitution also states a child must be safe in all environments. And then last human rights document that came out the beginning of January from the Human Rights Commission on Education also states that for example, parents as stakeholders must ensure the children are safe at all times, whether at school, at home, in the community. And, and I think it needs a team effort from every stakeholder involved in the child. Which is the point that Mr. Burton made earlier on about, or even the report does, that, that this violence that we're talking about, Mr. Burton, is, is the microcosm of what is going on in our society. It is, absolutely. You know, it's, it's very, very hard for schools to, to try and, and operate in a vacuum. And we need to make sure that the messaging that happens within schools, that the approaches to violence or to conflict resolution that, that are adopted by schools d- disseminate beyond the schools. There has to be a continuity of messaging. And I think it's very hard um, for us to try and divorce what is happening in schools from the broader community. Indeed. You know what, let's take some calls here and we'll continue, of course, uh, engaging my guests a little later on. Uh, Mr. Patrick Burton, Executive Director of the Center for Justice and Crime Prevention. Also, Temin Gosenjovu, who speaks on behalf of the South African Council of Educators, as well as Jenny Hoff, Chief Executive Officer of Parents for Children with Special Educational Needs. Let's go to the lines here. Start with Mvusi in the Eastern Cape. Mvusi, good morning. Thank you, Baba. Look, there are three things that I want to raise. One, I want to ask a question. How do these guys categorize different levels of violence? Because I think there's a violent behavior and there's criminality involved in schools. Mm -hmm. The the, the point I want to make is this. When we have categorized or distinguished between these categories, we would be able to suggest or come up with strategies to deal with these issues. First thing is you can teach kids at, at home you can teach them at school to behave properly. But if what they consume from your media, mass media specifically, and, and, and society in general, encourages violence, that's what they are going to be. Yeah. And the interesting thing, Golani, here is that when, when, when kids come to school violent and, or pregnant, we seem to blame the schooling system. And forget that they don't sleep in, in, in their classes. They sleep in their homes or in the homes of their boyfriends. All these violent things are happening in our society. Drugs are taking a a disturbing effect in our society. Violence is... is, is, I mean, we need to change culture, bring in different stakeholders, not to throw this thing at government and say, government must deal with it. Let's bring in together all sectors to solve this problem. I I take the point, and this is the point that we've just made here, Mr. Burton, that this is the microcosm of this society. This is a societal problem, not government, not schools problem. Uh, Let's go to Chris in Durban. Hello, Chris. Uh, good morning, uh, and to your guests. Hi, welcome. Um, I'm with the International Center of Nonviolence based mm. at Durban University of Technology, mm-hmm. and we will be holding a national conference from the 1st to 3rd of July on exactly this issue, uh, strategies for nonviolence in education. Mm. We're, we're working with schools, primarily with young student leaders, and my view is first that 
We don't uh, sufficiently recognize the disruptive effect of violence of all forms within schooling. So we con- continually complain about the lack of achievement in academic terms, but we don't draw the link between violence um, and the ineffective uh, nature of our schooling system. And I think that's a really important thing. Yes. And secondly, I'd echo much of what has been said. I mean, working with young people, it becomes clear there's a very high level of trauma in our society. Young people and teachers need assistance in dealing with that trauma. And then the, what we found working with young people is that the, the, the trauma and, uh, is very gender-related. Um, and we, we've actually found it necessary to work separately with boys and girls to begin with, simply because relationships are formed uh, around relationships of domination um, and, and submissiveness. And this is very damaging uh, to collaboration within schools. So so explain the point a little bit for me, Jimmy. guests would be able to join us in the conference uh, at www.icon. Okay, uh, but uh, Chris, before you go, I just wanted you to explain that point for me. You say you say um, trauma is gender specific. Is that what you were saying? I think the the way in which people have learnt to deal with violence is gendered. In other words, uh, young guys find they cannot talk easily with each other about violence. Uh, that's the job of of women, and that's a burden on women. Um, and, and girls do not have sufficient opportunity to talk about their experience of violence with each other. As soon as we do that work, we find that girls really value just spending time with other girls. Mm. So we, there's a time in our work where we found we actually have to work separately by gender before we bring people together and, and resolve some of those problems. And then they move very rapidly in their understanding of what they are about. Chris, thank you very much. Very important points is, is made here, particularly this point about the effects, because, uh, again, perhaps we don't clearly uh, uh, make that link between the ineffectiveness of this education system and, and violence that is happening and the trauma in society, that there is a direct correlation between the two. Uh, I'll ask my guest to comment on that, but also you can comment on it on 891 104208 Send me an email, voila, exodusabc.co.za or a text message at three four seven. It is uh, 8.31. Let's take your news headlines then from Babakshini Chetty. Rob Ben, it is now uh, 26 minutes before 9. We're talking about violence in our schools, shocking violence. Uh, Yesterday, of course, a report released uh, by uh, the Center for the Study of, uh, I beg your pardon, the Center for Justice and Crime Prevention. And uh, we're talking about that particular report. Patrick Burton is the executive director of that center. Uh, He is discussing with us uh, this uh, report. Uh, the results of the 2012 National School Violence Study there. But also, I'm joined by Temin Gosenjovo, uh, who is the Communications Manager at the South African Council of Educators. Right, uh, Jenny Hoff is the Chief Executive of Parents for Children with Special Educational Needs, and I would like to hear your thoughts then on this issue. I'm going to go back to my guests in a minute, but let me read you one or two SMSs, tell you what people are saying on SMS. There is somebody who says, A good smack in our school days taught us not to repeat that incident. It did not teach us violent behavior. That is nonsense. That's according to Liz in Durban. I'm wondering if Patrick has got something to say about that. I'm going to go to him in a minute. 
also another one says total abolishment of corporal punishment is like communist ideology very good on paper but impractical ask blade says an sms not signed uh, violence at schools escalates as a result of the absence of corporal punishment and not because of its presence um, gerson says in my point of view parents are also responsible in that violence at schools they send out letters to parents uh, it's only together that we can solve this particular violence in our schools that's gerson uh, we are a violent nation look at all industrial actions they are characterized by violence so our behavior as parents teaches our kids uh, how to behave uh, also somebody says listen to the results of this report of violence in schools it does it does appear as though many teacher bodies are struggling to create a disciplined culture of learning at their schools why during the apartheid regime there were more discipline or there was more discipline everywhere not only in schools we are doing this thing wrong uh, i was given the corporal punishment and it made me a better person today somebody who, was, who didn't sign the sms says so as well so in pretoria though uh, says all violence is criminal the kids are failed by the system the education system and the saps have no policies as well as strategies for ensuring safety and security of learners as always government will blame communities that's to Soli in Pretoria. Let me quickly hear on the line now from Miriam in Durban. Hello, Miriam. Hello, Polani. Hello, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. You're most welcome, Miriam. I just want to say that maybe we're going about it in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I just wonder whether we are teaching our children what is right and what is wrong. You know, we have all been brought up with biblical standards. Why don't we teach our children the Ten Commandments again? And say, you know, you, one day you're going to answer before God for your actions. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And if we have thrown God out of the equation and we think man is all there is, we are going down the wrong path. We will be answerable to God one day. Mm-hmm. And our children have got to realize this once again. We are not our own people. We are answerable to a higher power. And we've got to somehow bring it back into our schools that we are not responsible for our own lives. One day, God is going to judge us. All right, Miriam, thank you very much. You see, uh, um, while it may be easy for people to say, well, you know, religion and so on, but uh, a lot of people actually do feel that maybe that's one way of dealing with it. Because I'm looking at an email as well that came through, and I'm just looking at it. Somebody was suggesting that, oh, yeah, schools must bring back the morning assembly points again. Principals will have a chance to speak to kids daily and remind them that they should know that they are at school for a common purpose uh, than any other thing. Also, they must remove people who sit under pretense of selling sweets while they sell unwanted stuff to learners who then bully others for their monies in order to feed their dirty habit. That's Murudi Aubrey in, in Orchards, uh, also suggesting that assembly points perhaps may be necessary here. I'll, I, I want to hear what people think about these things. Uh, let's uh, go to Stephen. Stephen is in Grahamstown. Hello, Stephen. Uh, Peter Wiley here. Hey, how are you doing, Peter Wiley? Very well indeed. Good uh, one. Karani, look, uh, I want to be brief because I spoke about this issue on, on the open time with William Bully. The sound clip is very often played on SAFM about his supposed... Yeah, 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 it is. 
about the pupils walking home at, uh, at one o'clock from mm. Soweto. Mm. Now, Kalani, I regard you as a man of integrity, and I, 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 want to, I, I want to say that the bottom line is that your program is far too short. I've said this too often. Uh, we, we've got to have a longer uh, program because you take big issues, and we've got to reach uh, a solution to this. Now, yeah. I, want you to, I want to ask you to do something about this because basically the, the bullying is happening in classrooms. Now, uh, the buck should really stop with the teachers. Now, if the teachers are not in the classrooms, uh, they're getting paid for a job. And uh, w- w- what should be happening is that the parents should be taking action, just the same as with these uh, service delivery uh, riots and demonstrations. They should be demonstrating against those teachers because we cannot build a winning nation when the teachers are not in their classroom, not doing their jobs properly. Because I've just come from the township now from a fantastic school. Uh, I- I've got to say this, I'm sorry to, to bring race into it, but the- the- they've got a white headmistress there, and her school is impeccable. The- she-, she couldn't talk to me, not for a minute, because she had to go into a teacher's meeting. The gardens were fantastic. I've just donated uh, two cycad plants to the-, to the gardens. It's in the middle of the, of the-, of the worst, the-, the-, the most poverty-stricken part of the township. The other school next to it has failed totally. The, the windows are broken, and it all revolves, number one, around the headmistress or the headmaster and how they control the teachers, and the parents should have expectations. They've got their rights, and you, Kalani, with the media, can do something about it. We should come back to this. The Minister of Education should be on the program. She should be telling us why these principals allow these teachers to fail, because they're yeah. totally failing the nation by allowing this bullying to take, part, take okay. place in the classrooms where they are paid to do a job. They should be in those classrooms. How can your program is revolving around bullying in classrooms. Okay. Like right. The teachers are supposed to be there, Kalani. Peter, I thank you very much. That's Peter Wiley in Grahamstown. Um, quite a lot said there. Let's, let's go to Lemias. Is it Lemias in, uh, uh, on the line? Good morning to you. Morning, how are you? I'm all right. Is it Le- Lemias Mashile? Lemias Mashile, yeah. yeah go ahead, and, uh, only two points um, that one just want to raise. You see, this notion that uh, parents must come in and uh, to help and sort out you know, the problem is that it is based on an understanding that people think that all children, every day when they come back from school, they are going back to their parents. And that's not correct. And there are many children that are not going back to their parents. And uh, some of them, of course, they are staying in other communities, attending school where it is not even close to their homes. So the other, the other point as well, uh, Kolani, is that... Uh, there is a saying that says teachers are spending 75% of their time at school. Mm. And if that is correct, that means even the children are spending 75% of the day at school. Therefore, the conditions at school have to be normal, and the teachers must, be, must take charge of that. Okay. But unfortunately, we've got a good number of teachers that are smoking themselves to death. They are drinking themselves to death. They are not in class. And children have time all the time to do all these other things. Okay. Let me and, yeah, that, that's a problem. Yeah, I hear you. Thank you very much. Let me ask, uh, I took more calls. 0891-104-208. 0891-104-208. Let's go back to Pretoria again where all my guests are. Let me start with Mr. Lizov. Your thoughts on what my callers are saying this morning? It, it's quite unfortunate. We are that some of the statements that are made here we are very unfortunate. We, we agree that the primary role of a teacher is that the teacher must do what he's supposed to do. The teacher must be in the classroom teaching our children. But one of the key factors that are coming up here, it, it is correct that this matter cannot only be based on teachers' roles. It is a societal matter. 
and uh, agree also with some of your callers who are saying it's important that we look at the holistic situation in schools. Mm. What is the role of management in schools? How is management assisting in ensuring that the situation and the conditions at schools are conducive to teaching and learning? What is the role of parents, school governing bodies, in ensuring that parents play their active role in, in determining the future and destiny of our children? But we are aware as a council also that some of the issues that are raised there about some of the conduct of our teachers we cannot condone. We cannot condone a situation where teachers do not go to class, where teachers do not teach our children. But some of the violence as indicated in the report takes place within the school premises. And obviously then that calls for management to come up with programs on how kids would be monitored during those breaks in the schoolyard so that we have a situation where teachers and learners understand their roles in respect to this matter. Mm -hmm. But we cannot only squarely put the blame on one aspect of this matter that our teachers need to be the factor on this matter. Learners themselves need to come to the party. Mm. Parents need to come to the party. But as a council responsible for educators, we really cannot condone some of the activities that are committed by our sure. own. Sure. But do you have the capacity to deal with some of these uh, allegations that are being made, Mr. Ndovo? Do, do you have the capacity to investigate and, and make sure that the criminals uh, are singled out and, and that they pay for their crimes? We, we do have the capacity. And are you doing it? Are you doing it? And we are dealing with these cases that get reported to us every day. We investigate these matters. We bring people to book in terms of disciplinary processes and hearings. And we have, in terms of our annual reports, actually indicated some of our successes in terms of how we do deal with these matters. But we should also understand that we can only at this stage deal with matters that get reported to us which is a very problematic kind of area, because some of these incidents go unreported to the council. And that is why it is through the media that we need to be encouraging our people to say, report these matters, so that we are able to deal with them holistically. But if we do not get these reports filtering through to ourselves, we may say we are successful in terms of what we are getting, but then what about the broader picture out there? of those that do not get reported to us. So in terms of capacity, we certainly are on track as council mm. in dealing with this matter. All right, all right. I'm going to get to Mr. Burton to, talk, to tell me about the recommendations that they are making then in the study itself. But before I do so, Ms. Hoff, do you want to comment on, on Mark Hawler's? Uh, Yes, um, as far as special schools are concerned, we do not have the teachers stay away. We do not have teachers not turning up, because whenever there's protests, our teachers are at school, mm. because our children cannot be left uncontrolled Certainly. because of their disabilities. So, therefore, we can say one good thing about the teachers mm. of special schools, um, that they are always on their job and they will walk an extra mile to ensure the children are in the right environment and safe. Right, some SMSs then for you. Uh, I was going to go through the lines now. I'm not sure what's going on. 0891 104 208. 0891 104 208. Um, but some SMSs here. Uh, children are destroying everything, especially black kids. Look at our parks. They destroyed. That's Daniel Sitole. Uh, Miriam hit the nail on the head. God has been banned in the schools and deserted in the home where it all starts. That's 
give a deterrent. God, the Creator, say, punish them. And who is higher than God? Uh, that is a view uh, from somebody who says, bless God. Uh, TV is a violent, terrible, uh, is violent, terrible movies. WWF uh, wrestling must be taken off. Wake up. And also, and in Durban, it is not surprising that there is violence in South Africa, as the TV shows so much violence during family time, and it also appears to advocate um, as it uh, being cool, advocating violence as being cool. Um, violence in our schools is not only physical but also emotional. Uh, there are cases whereby teachers humiliate learners from others, uh, specifically maths teachers. I myself am a victim of such humiliation. Should we blame apartheid for our teachers' heavy-handedness tactics? That's Austin in Pretoria. Perhaps if they had uh, separate schools for boys and girls with afternoon sport, it would sort out a lot of problems and in Peter Mosbeck. Uh, Mr. Burton, let me come back to you. Just before the news headlines, we had Chris calling in from the UKZN, saying, for instance, that we, we fail perhaps to, to create that link between the violence in our schools and our society and, and the kind of education system that we have in this country. We complain on a daily basis about uh, how broken the system is, but actually perhaps as a result of the violence. I, without a doubt, think that there's a lot of substance to, to, to that point. I mean, we know what the, the psychosocial impact of both being exposed to violence and direct victimization is. And we know that violence in schools or being bullied in schools impacts on educational outcomes. It, 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 it impairs learners' ability to concentrate. It, it impacts on the ability to form healthy relationships with their peers or trusting re- relationships with adults. Um, so I, I think absolutely, you know, one of our major concerns is that um, violence essentially impacts negatively on a functional school. You, you can't have a functional school that experiences violence. And by functional, we mean a school that, that is well managed, that where learners are in class, where educational outcomes are positive. Mm. Um, and I, I think, you know, when you look at violence more broadly, if you take it out of just the school and the youth environment, um, looking even at adults, I think there's a great deal of secondary trauma that goes on and secondary victimization simply because we are exposed to such violence and that impacts on on how we respond it sure. impacts on the perception that we have of others around us it impacts on our ability to to be safe on the roads or to travel to work sa- safely so all of these things impact violence generally just impacts on the quality of life but impacts on our ability to function healthily and you see that very much so within the school environment. All right. Um, and I'm going to go to the lines. There's Mike, there's Eddie, there's Mary, there's Mags. I'm going to hear from them in a minute. Uh, but a lot of SMSs that came through and I read out a while ago seem to take an opposing, uh, an opposition's uh, view about what corporal punishment should and should not do. People are saying, well, uh, you know, we, we, we've seen corporal punishment actually working. Yeah, you know, I think um, it's, it is always a thorny issue, and I think whenever people talk about corporal punishment, we get this response often from educators, from, from parents, from people in general. And I think very much this attitude of, well, this worked fine in the past, we, we experienced this and we turned out fine. Mm. And I think to, to, to look backwards like that, really, you know, one can argue that, that 20 years ago it wasn't acceptable for girls to wear trousers in schools. Um, it, you know, if you look at, at um, so many different forms of oppression and systemic violence that were acceptable, but that now aren't. I mean, we are living in a rights-based culture. We, there is so much evidence that documents the harm that corporal punishment has on young people. Hmm. We're not saying in exactly the same way that we don't say that being a victim of violence causes you to go out and engage violence. What being exposed to violence does is it increases the risk of you responding 
violently hmm. in the in the future, and that's exactly what corporal punishment does. Okay. And we have seen so many cases where corporal punishment just crosses. You know, it it is nothing but assault. Right. It is it's a violent act. Um, okay, I'm going to come back to you maybe to wrap up a little later on, uh, Mr. Burton. But let me take some calls here. Mike in Newlands. Good morning. Thank you for holding for me. Oh, it's Glani, no problem at all. Uh, you know, one thing I love about talk radio is it's great to hear the experts. I want, I want to just, you know, take it just to another level, uh, and I don't want to turn this into political debate, but I do think that, that uh, society, societal issues, one gentleman said, I, I teach part, well, I, I do, I assist in teaching at a school, which, which uh, is a fantastic school, and the kids are so well disciplined, and I ask my question, why is that? Because they come from stable families, but there's so many children in this country that do not. And the trouble is that we live in a society where there's absolutely no consequences, and, you know, if we look at the violence, and I'm not talking about violent movies, I'm talking about the violence we see every day on our TV sets perpetrated by our government, which is dragging guys behind and uh, shooting people live onto the, the minor strike, and we're not seeing consequences. You know, to the fertile mind of a child, he sees all this going on, and he says, well, you know what? If this is going on in society, and nobody ever is punished, nobody's ever punished, so the violence is, is in fact, condoned by our government. We, we see leaders on violence, you know, saying, uh, in, in the rape trial, we're going to beat you we're going to do this and our president so the kids go to school in the state of mind where there's no consequences to their action the poor school is already on a hiding to nowhere because they are dealing with children that really see violence as acceptable mm. they also do not expect any consequences to their actions and generally don't get them and so when we, we're developing a society here now with absolutely no consequences attached to anything you do and we've got to get back to that basics and I really uh, think that the society in general is going to recognize this problem we've got to say to ourselves We've got to start at the top. We've got to start teaching our children from a government standard. The government has got to set new rules and new uh, standards where society will consequence. There will be consequences to your actions. Mm. And uh, once you've got that in place, I think the schools will be in a, in a way way better position to to deal with the with the tough situation they find themselves in. Thank you. Thanks. Much appreciated, Mike Newlands. Thanks indeed. Megs is a high school teacher in Durban. Megs, hello. Good morning, Kalani. Uh, I was a high school teacher, okay. now I'm lecturing in a college. I uh, just wanted to pass on uh, whatever I picked up from my experiences. Yeah. I found that um, none of our teachers who um, were trying to uh, maintain discipline in the class had any uh, great uh, deal of success. Um, since the kids knew, they would even uh, openly tell you that corporal punishment uh, is not allowed. So yeah, it works with the, most of the kids, but with the most unruly element, you know, the bullying types. Mm. These guys will tell you straight out, corporal punishment is not allowed, and um, they would have their own way, despite uh, whatever uh, protestations the teachers came out with. Mm. And I found that the only teachers that were really successful were the ones that clandestinely used the stick. Now, if you look at the school as a microcosm of society, uh, with the principal being like the president, now imagine in society, if you had uh, crimes like uh, rape and murder and so forth, and uh, if the guys knew that the uh, uh, rapes are punishable with uh, two weeks in prison, murders three weeks, that sort of thing, hmm. they would know, you know, I could do this and I could spend two or three weeks in the cooler and they know it would be fine. There is no real deterrent in school for the absolute bullying types, and really teachers are at the wit's end by now. Hmm. That's why most of them are crying foul and saying that uh, this, uh, this problem really started once corporal punishment was abandoned sometime in the 1980s. All right. Since then, it's, uh, the uh, discipline in school, schools has been on a steady decline. Mm. Right? And uh, right now, I've seen uh, knives, bush knives, guns, etc. in school, including uh, um, handguns, automatic guns, you know, mm. and I've seen lots of them, right? 
And uh, this is not something that's uh, one-off occurrence. I mean, we even found an arms cache in our school. Arms cache? Yes, that's right. They're hidden under one of the buildings. You know, we had like an intelligence community. There were some good kids mixing with those kids and passing on information out to the teachers. And this is how we discovered it. So it can get that bad. You know, it's, it's okay to sit in an office and theorize uh, about psychoanalysis and say that uh, uh, corporal punishment is a form of violence. But, you know, if it's not meted out in some fair uh, control measure, then we're really not going to come right. All right, Max. Thank you. Okay. Durban. Thanks indeed, former teacher. Mary is a former teacher as well. Mary, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, I, I, I realize I'm on, on a, uh, the time limit here, but I just to say I've taught for 44 years. Mm-hmm. I've taught in the uh, TED, the DET, the GDE. I've taught overseas. So, And my experience, once again, is that it, I agree with the p- previous speaker that what, what, what we've had in the past, we had discipline um, issued out with love in equal proportions because when your little baby puts its finger in the, in the, in the electric uh, thing, you smack it and it learns. And it's the same. They are still children. They are still learning. And quite honestly, I think that we did things so well in the schools those days. Some schools, some schools abused it. But if you went back to the proper way of doing it, where the teacher would have to go write the name in the book, have witnesses, the child would get his hiding, and it worked. We can say what we like, it worked, and I don't honestly, as the, the, the gentleman said, people always say, I'm okay. But my sons, who are grown 40-year-olds, now laugh about the uh, smacks they got, and, and they haven't been psychologically damaged because it was for their own good. It was with their own good in mind that people were doing it. And it wasn't a beating, it was a few jolly hard smacks. The men, the boys would pretend that they don't want to have lines or, or detention, but in actual fact, they, they, they do Hmm. All right, Mary, and, I thank um, you. Thank you. Thanks okay. indeed for your input. Thanks. Uh, that's Mary, a former teacher. Uh, Eddie in Fixbank, you're my last caller. Very briefly, good morning. Oh, well, yes, I'll be uh, quick. I just want to say this, Kolani. The best investment in the world is our youth. Yeah. If you do not look after your youth, you will be cursed. Can I say this, Miriam and this lady and the one before? Friend, you got to have discipline. I'm a karate or martial arts expert who are teaching kids. And I say, go to the schools and stop the kids fighting. Don't say, mortle, mortle, fight, fight. Stop the fight. And I promise you, you'll be amazed what an influence you have. We've got to have our kids taught not their rights, but their responsibility. Why are you on this planet? Not for your rights, your responsibility, my friend. If we don't do this, we're going to breed a moron society. I'll remind you that in South Africa, our education is regarded as the worst in Africa. Okay, all right. That's Eddie in uh, Fixburg. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got to wrap up here. Mr. Burton, please just summarize for me, if you may, some of the recommendations that you are making then in this report. Okay, I think most of the recommendations build on some of what's been touched on um, my fellow speakers earlier. It's around the effective school management, a whole school management, where, where learners, where principals, where educators, and where parents and SGBs all take part in creating a safe school environment. And they all play, they all play an active part as stakeholders. And making sure that school management are held accountable, that districts, that provinces are made held accountable, that there is accountability for what happens in schools, because right now we're not really seeing that. And then to integrate school safety strategies and school safety plans to broader community safety strategies, make them part and parcel of com- community safety planning processes, so that we try and get that linkages, the, those linkages between schools and between communities and make sure that everybody's working towards a common goal. And I guess lastly it would be building on what 
we know works? Where does ev- evidence of what works? And when I'm saying evidence, I'm not saying, well, we, we, we smack a child and he, does, he, he behaves for the next week. But what I'm saying is long-term evidence of what impacts the most, what has the most impact and benefit okay. in terms of educational outcome, in terms of the well-being and health of the child in the long term. Ms. Hoff, your, your final thoughts for me? I would say the best solution is that if all stakeholders work together and we start networking. Uh, because I serve on the National Children's Protection Forum where um, society people share with us. And our main aim is that we need to get social development to work with education as far as this concerned to get moral principles and discipline back in all spheres. Okay. Ms. Ndovo? Well, I, mean, I think it's important with, with my, 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 my colleagues here. Mm-hmm. We need support to be given to our teachers more than anything. We need all stakeholders to play their role in terms of ensuring that the growth and development of our children takes place within a safe and conducive environment. But we need to also indicate that we we do appreciate the good efforts that are being done by the majority of our teachers who are in class teaching our children and we are calling on our teachers in engaging with the other colleagues who may not be towing the line, who may not be responsive to some of the things we are raising here, to also do their part, be in class, be at school, ensure that you play your positive role okay. in the development of I really have got to thank you all for your time. Patrick Burton, Executive Director for the Center for Justice and Crime Prevention. Also, uh, Mr. Tembin Gosinlovu, Communications Manager at the South African Council of uh, Educators, as well as uh, Ms. Jenny Hoff, uh, Chief Executive Officer of Parents for Children with Special Educational Needs. I thank you for listening to the program this day. I thank you for the input as well. Calls, so many of them came through. Uh, SMSs as well as emails as well. Uh, thanks indeed for all of that. And I would like to thank the team, our producers, Misho Shandale, Tracy Bumgard, Ronald Piri, Sengi Omabaso, Senior Producers, Lungi Lamabaso, and Zinat Abdul, uh, Technical Producer, Mark Preller today, Forum Producers, Mandy Samitlilu and Jake Mokoma, Executive Producers, Busi Chan and Oprah Sichia. My name is Tolana Gwala. We'll be back reporting for you 6 to 9 tomorrow. It's 9 o'clock in the meantime for news. Afterwards, uh, morning talk with Vuyambuli. Cheers from all of us at AM Live.